There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is. No good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. For all you non-believers, disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back into another episode of NFL Friday, WFUV's exclusive football podcast. I'm joined today with Brian Raybacks and Evan Harkin. Guys, a lot to get into a day after Thanksgiving. I have to ask the age-old question, how was your week and how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was all right. You know, I kind of just saw some family locally in the area, so I didn't have to travel anywhere far, deal with all of that. But it was pretty solid. The football games were not great, to be honest. A lot of the games were just kind of blowouts, so I didn't watch, like, a lot of the Cowboys game because that's right during when you eat and stuff. But overall – Thanksgiving, can't complain, and yeah, we have a loaded NFL Friday today, so I'm excited to get into it with you guys. Yeah, same thing here. Had a pretty good Thanksgiving, good food, good family members. Not the best of NFL games, like you said, Brian, but I like that first game came down, the ending came down to it at the end. It wasn't good in the first half, but the second half, Lions started to bring it back. But that's kind of been the trend in the NFL this season so far. I mean, a little bit too much blowouts for my liking, but let's see if we can have a little bit of a better slate this weekend. I mean, that's the goal. And, you know, Thanksgiving, you expect better games. You know, Packers-Lions isn't going to, you know, excite a lot of people. But for what it's worth, I mean, at halftime, Lions were down 23-6. to They come back. They try to do what they could. I mean, Jordan Love, got to give a shout-out to him. Three touchdowns, 22 of 32, 268 yards. Interesting note on the Packers, they entered the week 23% chance to make the playoffs. That number jumped to 38% after they beat the the Lions. So, you know, you look at this Packers team, I want to get your guys' takes on it. I mean, they play the Chiefs next Sunday. That's going to be tough. But then after that, they play the Giants, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, and then the Bears. So, Brian, I'll start with you. Do you think it's possible that the Packers could maybe go on a run? And any other thoughts that you saw from the game? That's kind of where my line of thinking went to when kind of assessing where they were in the standings. They're five and six, and they're one game behind Seattle for that seventh wild or the seventh seed in the NFC. And if you look at Seattle last night, they didn't look very good. So the Packers are kind of playing the best football at the right time. They're at five and six. And Jordan Love had probably his best game of the season yesterday. I mean, just looking at his season high in completion percentage. And he threw three touchdowns as well. And a lot of these Packers whiteouts have just kind of come out of nowhere and been impressive as of late. You look at Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, who has been finally this year. Yeah, <laughs> finally, right? He's been sitting on my fantasy bench, and now he decides to have a 20-point week. 
And then Romeo Dobbs has been impressive. So there's stuff to like about this Packers team. And when you look at can they make a run, I don't even know if they really need to because the NFC is just not a great conference where I think nine and eight, even maybe an eight and nine will be enough to get you into the playoffs. But we'll see. The Packers have been playing really well as of late. And that was kind of a statement win over a Detroit Lions team that's been playing really well all season long. So I think the Packers have what it takes to do it. They have some tough games coming up, like you mentioned, but if they can kind of weather that storm and Jordan loves keep playing the way he does. I don't see a scenario where the Packers don't have a chance of sneaking into the playoffs as the seventh seed in the NFC. Yeah, I think the Packers are a completely different team if Jordan Love is going to play the way he played last night. I mean, that did not look like Jordan Love and the Packers. He went for 270, three touchdowns, no turnovers, and he was really showing off the arm talent. There were no checkdowns. There was no type of fluke in those numbers. He was throwing the ball deep in perfect spots and one-on-one coverage. It looked Aaron Rodgers-esque almost. That looked like a guy who's been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for the last two seasons watching, which isn't the love we saw at the, the first half of this season, you know, in the games they lose. A lot of it is because of Jordan Love, but if he can continue to play the way he played last night in, let's say, half of those games I, it, against, like you said, inferior opponents, some of them, I think they definitely have a shot. And, um, I mean, it, Jordan Love, I think he has the weapons to get it done. I mean, Christian Watson, you mentioned the other receivers. I think Christian Watson, Watson specifically can be an elite receiver in this league and maybe a year or two, maybe at the end of this season, but... I think it all falls on the quarterback's hands and in, in the Packers' fate this season. It's funny you mention Aaron Rodgers, Evan, because I have something up here. Through their first 12 games, identical record, 5-7. and seven. Jordan Love has one more touchdown. Completion percentage, 4% less. Same amount of passing touchdowns as Aaron Rodgers through their first 12 starts. And only uh, eight less passing yards. So take it for what it's worth. But, I mean, Jordan Love is showing signs very early on that he might – be able to step up and take the reins of, you know, what Aaron Rodgers was. We'll see. But, you know, that's just kind of a good little nugget there. And interesting note on the Lions is, too, and I do want to get your guys' take on this as well. Do you think Jared Goff is, you know, having a problem? Because yesterday we saw he was pressured on 45% of his dropbacks in the first half alone. He went 9 of 20. He was sacked three times throughout the game. And the Lions' O-line going into the season was something that, you know, we all looked at and said, okay, this would be a positive. But for the second straight game, the veteran quarterback, I mean, he struggled with turnovers, three fumbles yesterday. That's the first time in his career he threw three picks last Sunday versus the Bears. And and prior to Thanksgiving, 12 straight games without a lost fumble. So, Evan, I'll go to you here. Do you think that this is a bigger problem with the Lions, or do you think it's just a couple fluke games? I think it's just a couple of fluke games. I mean, we've seen Jared Goff be the Jared Goff we saw saw towards the ends of last year, the Jared Goff we saw bring that Rams team to the Super Bowl, where he does have games where he looks kind of Daniel Jones-esque, a little clumsy, yeah. a little butterfingers with the football. I mean, you want to lose a game to a team you should beat, tell your quarterback to fumble the ball three times, and that should happen. I mean, that's that's just a losing formula right there. Some interesting stats, actually. The Lions led that game in rushing, passing, time of possession, first downs had less penalties, but you drop the ball three times as a quarterback. And that just shows you that it takes everything out of the game and you'll probably end up losing that. But in terms of the Lions and Jared Goff, I mean, they're so good on every front. It seems like their O-line, D-line. If they do have a weakness, I think it's that secondary that I think the Packers did a really good job of exploiting early. They went to throw the ball a lot that game, but I think the Lions are a serious team. And I think this was a fluke game for Jared Goff, who's been playing pretty good this season. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not worried about Jared Goff being a potential issue for the Lions going forward. I mean, he's been playing so well this season. It's exceeded all sorts of expectations in Detroit, where when he got traded there in 2021, everyone thought that he was going out there to die, essentially. So he's done a really nice job. Three fumbles obviously can't happen, but he, he was under duress a lot yesterday, too. So that didn't help him at all. But you have to be able to protect the football as a quarterback, and he did not do that. So definitely tough. Maybe it's a Lions Thanksgiving Day curse thing popping up again. Who knows? But the moon, as Jay Kuda would uh, right. tweet about. So he saw that this, this Lions team will be fine. They've been playing so well. And they're at eight and three. They still seem to have a stranglehold over the NFC North. And Jared Goff, if he's throwing the ball to Amon Ross St. Brown, and if they're getting Jameer Gibbs involved, and that rush attack with Gibbs and Montgomery continues playing the way that it does, this Lions offense is going to be really good. So a tough one yesterday, but they'll be fine. And I still have no real doubt that they're going to win the NFC North. And Jared Goff is going to end the season the way he started it. Yeah, the Lions next game will be against the Saints, so that'll be hopefully a win for them. But in terms of these Thanksgiving games, the second game was the Cowboys, and they beat the Commanders 45-10, to absolutely blow them out. The Cowboys improved to 8-3 and on the year. Commanders fall to 4-8. and Dak, I mean, we'll talk about him, but really, really good game. 22 of 32, 331 yards, four touchdowns. He didn't throw a pick with a quarterback rating of 142.1. And that game alone had a viewership of over 41 million. It's the most watched program on any network since last year's Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Eagles. And then it was the third most watched NFL regular season game of all time. So a pretty good game we got treated to. I know, Brian, it was during like the time we were eating. It was definitely tough right. to tune in. <laughs> but I mean, got to give credit to Dak Prescott in his last six games, 70% completion percentage over 1800 yards, 20 total touchdowns, only two interceptions and the Cowboys are five and one. So I'll open this up to Brian. Yeah. Is it time that we start considering Dak Prescott and also what you saw from the game and as a whole, but do you think he's in the MVP conversation? I think he definitely entered it. Look, this is an MVP race that doesn't necessarily have a runaway favorite. You're going to have Mahomes and Jalen Hurts up there, and C.J. Stroud was in there a little bit a couple weeks ago. But Dak Prescott, with the way that he's been playing, particularly in the last five, six games, I I wrote down in his last five that he has 17 touchdown passes to two interceptions. He's just been going crazy. It feels like every game he's throwing for 300, 400 yards. He is just doing an outstanding job. This is about as good as we've seen Dak Prescott and even a couple of games against some big opponents like the Eagles. He looked, he played really well in Philly on the road. Now the Packers not being able to beat teams like the Eagles, that's a separate issue, but Dak Prescott just looks really good throwing the football right now and is a big reason why this team's blowing teams out. Obviously the defense helps there a lot, but Dak Prescott, the last couple of weeks, he's caught fire. And in an MVP race that's kind of wide open, I think he is definitely throwing himself into that conversation for sure. Yeah, I think that game last night really solidified that. If you asked me this question a week ago, I'd probably say no. But after mm -hmm. watching that game last night, I'd probably say yes as well. I mean, this Cowboys offense is electric. And I think a lot of people would say Dak was their only issue the last couple of seasons. Even though he had good seasons, he had a lot of interceptions he would not play well in clutch moments, and they just had so much talent that he seemed to be the guy to blame it on. But that has not been the case so far this season. I mean, 
even late in the game, he, they're still pouring it on teams. And I think a good sign for the Cowboys, if you're a Cowboys fan, is how badly they beat bad teams. They don't play down to their opponent. They know their identity this season. I mean, they destroyed the Patriots, Giants twice, uh, the Commanders last night. They're really Panthers. They're doing what the bet. They're doing what they should be doing against bad teams, which is a really good sign. The only thing that kind of concerns me is how they haven't had the opportunity to even play that many good teams, which could be a bad thing heading into the playoffs when you're going to start playing good teams, maybe not having experience in being in close games late with good teams. The only notable teams I could say they've played are the 49ers, Chargers, and Eagles, and they've lost two out of three of those. But I think the slate that's coming up for the Cowboys is really going to define the team that they're going to be in the playoffs. I mean, they got the Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, and Lions all coming up. So kind of a gauntlet for the Cowboys, and I'm excited to see what Dak and his offense could do against those good teams. Yeah, 13 straight wins at home. So if they want to keep doing it, it'll start with their next game Thursday night versus the Seahawks. And, you know, kind of a good segue. The Seahawks lost to the Niners in the third and final game yesterday on Thanksgiving. The Niners themselves improved to 8-3-0. The Seahawks 6-5-0. 49ers can control their destiny at this point. I mean, they've been really good all year. Ten straight division games. They've won four straight alone against Seattle. I mean, 18 sacks in their first eight games, and then in their past three games, the Niners has have 15. So this team is good. CMC last night in their 31-13 to win had two touchdowns. You love to see that. We'll talk about the Seahawks and what their implications are, but starting with this Niners team, Evan, I mean, they're good. They've been good all year. They've had some shaky games. We get that. But I think as a collective up and down the board, this team is close to maybe go right back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think that's what they expect and nothing less for them. I mean, if you're not going to the Super Bowl with that roster, I, I think that's a failed season for the 49ers. The thing for me is I think they're going as far as Brock Purdy is going to take them. I mean, when Brock Purdy has a decent game, it, it kind of looks like a good game. He did play really well in the playoffs last year, despite the good team around him. So that's a good sign for 49ers fans, knowing that he can kind of step up in the playoffs when you need him to. But even last night, he had a decent game. You know, they were able to really get the run game going, which kind of declined his passing stats a little bit. But he threw that really bad pick six, which could be problematic in a game that's close. They're lucky it wasn't a close game. I mean, opening the half with a pick six is not what you want, even if you're up by that much in the game. And I feel like every position group is just so stacked for the 49ers, except for the quarterback, who has been mediocre this season, I would say. So I think they're going to go as far as Brock Purdy will take him this season. Yeah, I, to be honest, I've kind of been a Brock Purdy hater all season long, just kind of no, like just kind of letting people know that he's not that good. And it's just that the Niners are so stacked around him that he's going to play well in those circumstances. And he has. But it's almost we're almost being a dead horse with the Niners and that they are so good. They've had a couple games, that weird three game losing streak that they had. But other than that, I mean, they've just been outstanding and seem to be the team to watch or one of the teams to watch in the NFC. The big takeaway I had from last night was just that the Seahawks looked really bad. And I thought they were going to, I picked them to win. I thought they were going to come out there at home, a 49ers team that's been iffy at times this year. And then they just got the doors blown off of them right away. They didn't look competitive on offense at all. They weren't moving the ball. It just, it was really tough. And then you look at the performance from Seattle last night. Look at their next three games coming up. You have Philly, you have Dallas next week, and then you have the Niners again in those next three. That's not not easy. 
definitely going to be a tough stretch. And then you look, just look at the Packers. The Packers are right there. They had the chance to possibly go on a run and take over the seven seed in the NFC. So this is a Seahawks team that came kind of firing out of the gates. That's so impressive beating the lions on the road. They, I got a front row seat to see them against the giants, just completely roll them. And now just seeing where they've gone, I don't know about this Seahawks team going forward. They might not have what it takes to make a deep playoff run again. I don't know how far Geno's going to take them this year. Six and five right now. You touched on those next three games, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles. I mean, six and eight, that's not going to get you in the playoffs. So we'll see about the Seahawks. They had their chance last week if they beat the Rams to have some cushion. And obviously that didn't happen either. So I We'll see. Thursday night, 8-15. We talked about it before, but they will play the Cowboys in Dallas with their 13 straight wins at home on the line. So we'll see about that. Another team that doesn't do well at home, and we actually just finished watching it probably about, I don't know, half an hour ago, was the Jets and the Dolphins. And today, the Dolphins beat the Jets 34-13 to at MetLife. And the Jets quarterback carousel kind of continues. You know, Zach Wilson was moved to the third string. We can get into why that was. I think it's just to save him from embarrassment. You can't cut a second overall pick. You know, it's just they're in a really bad situation. Trevor Simeon's in there. Tim Boyle was not a good game from them at all. They really bad showing from the Jets, you know, right before halftime. It's like you get a pick six to the house. Brandon Eccles takes them to the house. That's great. And then Tim Boyle throwing up a Hail Mary and pick six right on the other side. So it sums up that's the kind of been season, the tale right? of what's that? It sums up the Jets season, right? 99 yard, like pick six on a Hail Mary. You can't make it up, Brian. You really cannot. And I'll start with you here, Brian. The Jets, their season's over, right? Like we can say that. This is the worst offense to watch in the NFL. It's painful. Yeah. The Jets are done. They're four. They're four and seven. Like the offense is showing no signs of turning it around. They have inept play from the quarterback the whole season. Zach Wilson's taken them nowhere, so they have to bench him. And first of all, they think Zach Wilson's unplayable. He was not active today against the Dolphins, so it was Tim Boyle and then Trevor Simeon ready to go in. Zach Wilson not active, so the Jets don't think he was playable. But the bad thing is Tim Boyle kind of look the same way at quarterback where you're seeing some of the same issues where he can't throw the ball downfield. So he's really handicapped and kind of just has to take these check downs when they give it to him. But there, there's been too many situations where quarterbacks in the jets have on third and 12 thrown the ball, like seven yards short of the sticks. It just, it blows my mind. And obviously there's more issues than just the quarterback. The offensive line stinks. Nathaniel Hackett has drawn a lot of heat as the offensive play caller. And then when you look at, the offense last year in Denver kind of looks similar and it's just been a mess. And I feel so bad for guys like Brees Hall and like Garrett Wilson, who are studs, but they can't figure out their own way on this offense. This is just a miserable, miserable offensive production that we're seeing out of the New York Jets this year. And it only seems to get worse and worse and worse, no matter who the quarterback is. So I have no more faith in the Jets. There's no reason to in the AFC. You're right, Dan. They are dumb. I I've given up. Yeah, I have. I knew that the Jets were not going to make the playoffs as soon as Zach Wilson was going to be the starter for eight weeks. But I do feel bad for Zach Wilson. You were mentioning these guys you feel bad for, Brian. I don't know. I feel like if you had a quarterback, maybe a young rookie or something, you could try out. But Tim Boyle, I mean, come on, you're going to start Tim Boyle and think he's really going to do 
better than Zach Wilson would or even remotely close. Tim Boyle has three touchdowns and nine interceptions in his career as an NFL player. He had very similar stats in college. He wasn't a great college quarterback either. I mean, it, drafting his player at second overall and then cutting him and saying you can't even think about playing him makes your team and organization, I think, look way worse than just starting the guy, letting him finish out the season, you know, keeping him as your second, playing your second string. That's what he is now. He's a second string. But I feel like the Jets really should have done that. In terms of where they're headed this season, I think you hit it right on the nose, Brian. I mean, I feel like they have no shot at this point. Yeah. Um, just another cool fact. It was weird this game was played on Black Friday. That's the first time in NFL history that's happened. 3 o'clock p.m. is also not a good time. I guess if you're going to the game, you want to bring your kid or whatnot. But, like, watching this game today was pretty difficult to watch alone for the quality of it, but also for the time of it. I don't know if you guys kind of noticed that, too. It was on Amazon Prime. It was just a weird sequence of, you know, events. And next few games for the Jets, one would have hoped if they won today, they could have kept rolling because they play the they play Atlanta, they play Houston, Miami. Washington and then Cleveland so a pretty light schedule for the Jets but at what cost at this point it's kind of it's kind of beating a dead horse and the Jets are certainly going to face the benefits of or you know the it, it's tough in the AFC right now so they're not they're not going to be able to get out of that and I'm not so sure how they ever will I mean, you're gonna have to have Aaron Rodgers come back but again the whole Sala thing a lot of people are saying he's not a, like a good coach and he should be fighting for his players more I don't know. I don't know how you I can. I don't, I don't buy play. into that. Salah is the, the situation that Salah is in. This is not what the team was supposed to be. Right. I get it that there's a lot of issues with penalties and the team seems to be undisciplined at times. But what's Robert Salah supposed to do? They have inept, like almost non-NFL quarterbacks playing under center. So it was never going to go well. And Aaron Rodgers is apparently coming back. He wants to be back by mid-December. Back I mean, not at anymore at this point. I mean, yeah, dude. right. Like the only thing that makes me kind of understand his reasoning is that, like, why would you do all this rehab to just not play? Like, I get that, but he's not going to come in and save the Jets' season because they would have to probably win out because the, the ten and seven might get them in, but the AFC is really tough. So if they lose next week and then Rodgers comes back, they might not get in at nine and eight. So I don't know what the real incentive is for Rodgers to come back, other than to kind of justify his rehab. I don't think there's any saving grace for the Jets. Not even Rodgers. I think even if Rodgers wants to come back, the Jets should stop him. I mean, he's uh, at the wrong side of thirty right now, coming off an AC or um, an Achilles, excuse me, that we know he's rushing to get back from behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league. I mean, that's just a recipe to get injured. You already have him under contract for next season. I would take your losses this season and revamp for next season at this point, with considering Aaron Rodgers. And it doesn't help when Brees Hall, with that O-line, you should be doing things, right? 25 yards on the ground today. Just unacceptable. I don't know. I, the, the injuries and this, the problems continue. And, you know, the Jets, it's – they're going to jet. You know, we talk about the Mets and thank God I, all three of us were born Giants fans. So I think we can kind of, well, thank the, you know, well, well, we don't like someone not a, we're all Giants fans, right? We're so all I, Giants I, fans, but like, I don't know if I'm thanking God right now that I'm a Giants yeah, fan. Oh. Yeah. You know, and, and that's actually a good segue because the Giants played the Patriots this week. And I do want to get your guys' opinions Minus three and a half, they're giving to the Patriots. 
I do want to get your guys' opinion because Bill Belichick, we saw what Tommy DeVito was last week versus the Commanders. It was great. It was, you know, really good sign, three touchdown. No one, no one expected that. Do you guys think, and Evan, I'll start with you here. Do you think, one, that's going to happen again? You know, you're giving the Giants three and a half points, but you're also facing Bill Belichick, who has a history and a really good established resume of going against these, you know, rookie quarterbacks and absolutely shutting them down. So what are you what are you feeling about this Giants game going into this week? I think the game's going to be really close. I think it's going to be really low scoring, obviously, due to the horrific offenses on both sides of the ball. I mean, these teams are so similar. You have really bad offensive lines, uh, injuries all over the field. Both of them are really badly injury plagued and defenses that are OK to good, but can't really play good because their offense is always off the field and they're always on the field. I think it's going to be a really close, low-scoring game. I feel like the Giants' defense is a little bit better than the Patriots at this point. So I think due to that, I'd give the Giants a little bit of an edge and say, hopefully, maybe not hopefully, because I want the better draft pick in the tank bowl. But I think the Giants would pull this one out in a close one. Yeah, the only thing that kind of has me a little worried about how tomorrow could go is it's Tommy DeVito, and we know Bill Belichick and how he game plans. He's been known to make rookie lives quarter, rookie quarterbacks' lives miserable, and we've seen it a couple times. We saw it with Zach Wilson a couple of years ago, but yeah, Tommy DeVito. First of all, last week against Commanders, really impressive. Got it. Got to give him his flowers a little bit. Three touchdowns, two hundred forty-six yards. He still has some issues. He took nine sacks. And a lot of that from what I was watching was kind of him just holding on the ball for way too long and just not getting rid of it. But looking at tomorrow against the Patriots, first of all, it's kind of funny because at the start of the year, the schedule makers are probably seeing, oh, Giants, Patriots, week 12. Those are two teams that'll be fine as the seasons at this point. Nope, they're both disasters and we're both kind of tanking right now. And for the Giants, their defense has played really well. Five takeaways last week against Washington. So you take that against a Patriots offense who that just has been horrible all season long. So you like their odds a little bit, but at the same time, it's Bill Belichick. You just don't know with this Giants team. How how likely is it them to win two games in a row? I'm not sure. So we'll see. I don't know what Giants fans really want. If they want to lose because – the team on the field isn't going to try to lose any games. I get it with the draft positioning. And then it also kind of turns on, a well, what do the fans want? Do they want the team to get smoked every week? Because then the conversation is going to turn to Brian Dable doesn't have these guys ready to go. But when they win, fans get upset. So I don't know. The Giants have put themselves in a weird position. But tomorrow they play the Patriots. And if they win, great. They win two games going into the bye. And if they lose, they get a nice draft pick because they'll be three and nine. So. Either way, it's a win-win if you're a Giants fan. Yeah. I mean, personally, I hate rooting for losses. I think that just defeats sports in general, you know. But it might get to the point where we have to to tank for someone really good. I mean, I would love Marvin Harris. I'd love Caleb Williams, you know. But that final nail in that Cowboy, um, Giants call, and excuse me, well, it was the Cowboys game week one, if we're being honest. But that yeah. Vegas game, that that Vegas game to me just really put everything out of reach. You had a chance. You got exposed by an interim head coach. It's just the the problems never end in New York football. And I'm yeah, I'm happy that we're kind of not you know touching on it as much as we really would like. To. That's kind of where we're at. And 
They will play Green Bay on Monday night, I believe that is. December 11th might be a Thursday, but I believe it's a Monday night. They'll play Monday, the Packers. Yeah. yeah, so we'll see. I mean, the season's out of touch. Lost five straight. Um, excuse me, they have not lost five straight. But, you know, we'll see. We'll, that's all we can do right now. Touching on some other games around the league this week, I wanted to highlight just an AFC North matchup, the Steelers and the Bengals this week. They're given um, – Steelers minus two and a half should be a good game. A lot of implications on the line for that. Obviously the Bengals, Joe Burrow went down. They have not been good. T Higgins, I believe is back this week. It's going to be an interesting game. This Steelers team, I really do like them to maybe be up there with likes of Baltimore and Baltimore. I think, you know, talking about the AFC, they might be the best team in the AFC. So AFC North, always an interesting battle. Ryan, who do you like here in this one? Well, the AFC North is so interesting because you have the Ravens who are playing so well, and then the Bengals season looks like it's over with Burrow out. But yeah. the Steelers and the Browns are somehow like winning games despite getting nothing out of their quarterback play. Like it's just it really kind of just blows my mind. But the Steelers tomorrow, listen, they have a favorable matchup. Uh, the quarterback who came in for the Bengals on Thursday against the Ravens did not look good at all. And the Steelers defense is really troublesome. So the line's two and a half in favor of the Steelers. And I'll take that. I'll take the Steelers to win. I like them covering that line easily. No problem. And the Steelers, they're just going to find a way and could sneak into the playoffs in the AFC if they just keep winning games. So tomorrow, I like the Steelers. I like the Steelers too, Brian. I think you got to take the better defense when you have two terrible offenses going against each other. Obviously, if Joe Burrow's in this game, it's not two terrible offenses, but you're bringing in a backup quarterback off of one week. I mean, there's no shot that the Bengals, who are struggling already with Joe Burrow already this season earlier on, are going to put up a good offensive performance against a really good defense. The only reason I could see the Bengals squeezing passes, we know Matt Canada got fired recently either this week or last week. So, you know, you have a whole different week? offensive coordinator in there. Could be a different game plan, one that these guys really aren't used to. So if that Steelers offense kind of beats themselves, I could see the Bengals winning this one. But I think in a defensive matchup like we're expecting, the really good Steelers defense takes this one out. Yeah, Evan, the only reason I do mention the Bengals is exactly what you're talking about, Matt Canada, this week. I think the Bengals do pull it out. I would take the Bengals plus two and a half. We'll see what happens. It's only going to shape that landscape in the AFC North even more. But those are my just games I wanted to touch on. I did want to throw it over to you guys now for your lock of the week that you have and then your underdog game of the week. There are some good games still left. You know, we have, you know, Ravens Chargers Monday night. Should be a good one. Bills Eagles. You know, Texans, Jaguars, Brian, I think you might, you know, talk about one of those. But we'll see. I'll start with you, Brian, on this. Who who are your teams that you're looking at that are your lock of the week? I look at this team and they'll win. And then your underdog of the week where, you know, they're not expected to win, but you think that they will. I have – so I'll start with my lock, and I kind of have an interesting one. I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys will agree, but I'm pretty confident in the Broncos over the Browns this week. Mile high is a tough place to go and win, and it's Dorian Thompson Robinson playing quarterback for the Browns. So I don't know if I like the offense's chance to really do much against this Broncos defense that's been playing pretty well, and they've also been doing well on offense, and a lot of that's because Russell Wilson's been a lot better this season. They've just been rattling off wins, and I think they're looking to make it five straight this weekend and improve to six yeah, and rolling. five. So 
I like the Broncos as my lock, uh, my underdog. You kind of alluded to it that it was one of the games you highlighted. I like the Texans over the Jags. To be mm-hmm. honest, it's a one-and-a-half line in favor of Jacksonville, but C.J. Stroud, we've seen it all year. That guy can ball, and it's a Texans at home. And if they win, they put themselves in a decent position to take the AFC South. So that should be an interesting race down the stretch. But for now, I like Texans as my underdog of the week. So just to conclude, Broncos are my lock. Texans are my dog. They'd both be seven and four. So, yeah. Evan, what about you? Interesting, Brian, because I actually took the Jaguars as my lock of the week. Ooh. A little matchup going on there. I don't know. I feel like the Jaguars are definitely a little bit more proven. You know, Trevor Lawrence back there. Not that C.J. Stroud's been anything short of a great rookie. But, you know, rookies do tend to have some up and down games. You could maybe anticipate one here in a, like you said, a game that means a lot for both of these teams. Interdivisional matchup. Maybe a little bit of the pressure falling on C.J. Stroud and that really young team. Uh, I'm hoping the veteran presence that the Jaguars are kind of bringing. They're bringing Calvin Ridley back. We saw him go off last week back into this offense he's the type of player that can really change a passing game so I'm taking the Jaguars minus one and a half to beat the Texans this week as my lock as my underdog I'm going for the Buccaneers they're plus two and a Mm -hmm. half in Indianapolis against the Colts I like the Bucs defense in this one I mean the Bucs although they're getting older in that, that defensive front they still have a pretty elite front seven over there that defense is pretty serious and the Colts at five and five really haven't been anything except for mediocre this season at best not that the bucks haven't but i like taking defenses in these matchups that um that were really both offenses aren't showing much and i mean baker kind of has that veteran presence baker could go out there and have a good game every now and then we know he has the talent he has the weapons mike evans rashad white's been playing great recently so all these reasons are why i'm taking the buccaneers plus two and a half as my dog of the week and the jaguars at minus one and a half on my lock of the week very interesting. Very interesting. Other games to highlight, Chiefs-Raiders could be a good one. I mean, they're giving the Chiefs minus 10. You know, I could see the Raiders covering that. The Cardinals only plus two and a half. I mean, you know, considering what they were, Kyler Murray's back this week. So that is something to note as well. Could be an upset over there. And the Monday night game, you know, they're giving the Vikings minus three. I could see the Bears maybe hanging around. We'll see what happens with that. The Bears have been a mess, but Vikings really haven't been much better. I mean, just Justin Jefferson went down. So it's been it's been rough over there. TJ Hawkinson has not been, you know, he's been very good, but you know, he's been questionable week to week. So we'll see what happens with all that. And then one last pick I just want to get from you guys real quick. Bill's Eagles. What a game that's gonna be. They're giving the Eagles minus three. Really quick, guys, because we don't have a lot of time. But Bill's Eagles, Brian, I'll start with you. Who do you got? Ah, Eagles. I don't really have a lot of confidence in the bills i only avoid picking the eagles as my lock because josh allen can run into some wins and the bills are a talented team but i just don't like the way that buffalo's played recently i'm actually not saying this and wondering why i didn't take the eagles as my lock but that's besides the point i see this minus three spread for the eagles and i'm very confident in that i think the way jalen hurts has played they've just come off a win against the chiefs and the Bills, even before the Jets win, they just really have been slumping as of late. And I don't think they're going to run into a win on the road in Philly. So I like the Eagles in that matchup. Yeah, it's tricky for me. I like the Eagles too, but as we know, Josh Allen can be Superman. And if he is Superman, I think they will win this game. He does seem to come alive in these big games sometimes against these notable opponents. You know, plays up against the Chiefs every time he plays them. He seems to play up against opponents that a lot of people think are better. 
but I am going to take the Eagles just because they play so much of a safer brand of football than the Bills. They don't need Jalen Hurts to be Superman to win the game. They have an elite run game. They're elite on all aspects of the field. Their defense, their defense is one that Josh Allen does not want to play. Can get back there and get in his face with the best of them. Have the guys that can pick off his throws that we know he tends to throw a little wild sometimes with the best of them. So kind of the matchup you don't want if you're the Bills, but if Josh Allen can pull one out, I mean, they can definitely do it. I'm going with the Eagles too, though, just because of their brand of football. Yeah, I think the Bills might be more motivated now that the Dolphins won too. So we'll see. If they want any chance of hanging around the AFC East, they're probably going to have to win. But that is unfortunately all the time we have today, guys. Brian Raybax, Evan Harkin, I'm Dan Bartels. It's been a great show. Have a beautiful and happy and safe rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. This is NFL Friday, a production of WFUV Sports.